Good morning, Calvary. Good morning to our online listeners as well. If any of you, uh, let me just give a shout out to the 9 o'clock service. If any of you might could transition to the 9 o'clock service, that would help us out. Make a little more room for those who are coming to this service. But I understand that it's difficult. Change is hard sometimes. Okay, but I just wanted to give that shout out. We are starting a brand new series today called The Process. And the idea of the process is important because it's the way that we are transformed into what God wants us to be. You can see the, the graphic there, and this is a February series, and it's piggybacking off what we wanted to go from last, uh, last month. Now, as we think about the process, here's why this is important. I used to uh, work at Southwestern Seminary where I went to uh, get my master's degree to learn how to be a preacher boy. You know, that's what they always say. And when I was there, um, we didn't want to travel a lot, and so I got a job on campus working in landscaping. I know, exciting stuff. And when they divided us up in landscaping, they put me on the flower and shrub division, which I don't actually remember the name for it, but we always called it because we planted lots and lots and lots of pansies. We called it the pansy patrol. <laughs> and so when I was working on the pansy patrol, we, we uh, planted about 10,000 plants a year. And here's what we would do. We'd plant plants that were good in the winter. It was Texas, y'all. Okay? We'd plant stuff that was good in the spring. We'd plant stuff that might survive in the summer if we watered it a whole lot and maybe walked around with an umbrella. And then we'd plant stuff in the fall. But here's what we do. We'd take something like this. We'd take it out of its container and replant it in the ground. Because as we think about that, what were we trying to accomplish? We always wanted the seminary, the campus, to look good. But you know what we didn't do? Is we didn't ever plant things on the grounds of the seminary, other than some tulips, where we expected them to look good later. In other words, we allowed someone else to do the nurturing and the growing and we would just transplant into our lives, into the seminary, to make the seminary always look good. And sometimes I think that's representative of what the church tries to do. We want to look like a beautiful, blooming, growing, vibrant entity that God has done something amazing with. But the process, the title, is actually more complicated than that. The process actually requires some nurturing fertilizing and undergirding so that God can grow up something beautiful in us. So if we're looking around and going, hey, why isn't there this? I want to look like that. You got to first begin here. This is full of dirt and soil, by the way, in case you didn't know. It's not just black stuff on the stage. Okay, and so that's where we're going with this, is this idea of the process. How do we grow this and allow the time for that to happen? In doing so, we're going to be talking today out of Matthew 13, and I'm going to give the explanation of the parable and then follow it up with Jesus' explanation of what it meant. So Jesus was talking to a large group of people, and he was gathered there, and he said, the word of God going out is like that of a person who takes a bunch of seeds and sows them in different places. Some of the seeds are cast onto the path, and the birds will come and eat them up. Some of the seeds will be tossed in the rocky soil, and they'll never really sprout up like they should. Some will go in actually what appears to be good soil, but there's a bunch of other stuff that's going to grow up in there, thorns, thistles, bad things, and it's going to drown out the good blossom that is trying to bloom. And some 
will grow in the good soil. And how you know it grows in the good soil, it will produce a lot of other seeds. Now, he said that in a, a way that, and was with the very intention of trying to make sure that he was speaking that this is how the word of God goes out. But even the disciples at that point were like, I don't understand what you're saying. And some of us do understand that because we've heard this parable taught a long time. But in case you haven't, that's the background. So we pick it up in Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23, as Jesus is now explaining to the disciples what he just told them. We with me? Here's what it says. So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root, and it is short-lived. And when distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, which produces fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what is sown. So let me talk first what this sermon is not about. This sermon is not about whether or not you can or cannot lose your salvation. That's a different sermon and a different topic. And if I'm going to be transparent with you, a lot of times when people ask me that question, here's what they mean. Johnny prayed a prayer when he was 60, when he was 6 or 60, and Johnny's life never changed after that, but now he's dead. Can you just give me some uh, comfort that Johnny's with God in heaven? And what I would say is, if there's no transformation, if there's no evidence, then I don't think Johnny ever really had a genuine relationship with God, even though he may have uttered a prayer. Because here's what we find, and this is really the heart of what this, math, this is. If you, salvation is a gift and is not earned, but when one, once it is received, it should transform you. Salvation is a gift, it is free. You get a gift, it's free. But if you don't ever receive the gift, then it means nothing. So let me ask you this question. How many of you still have gifts under your Christmas tree? That you haven't opened. Wow, a couple of you actually do. That's impressive. <laughs> Was not expecting that answer. Most people do not, okay? Why? Because Christmas was, unless you're really ambitious for 2022, which if you do, I need to talk to you because that's impressive. <laughs> but the reality is when you, if you left the, the gifts under the tree, then you never really receive them and it's meaningless. Who would do that? But when you receive the gift of God through what he did through Jesus dying on the cross, then our life will change. But part of the problem of us receiving it is there's a lot of other things going on in the world. This is what's described in the parable. Okay? So let's say I have seed. I, I've got some, uh, some kind of beans and pumpkin seeds up here. Okay? Now, this is the point where I'm going to say this illustration is going to change over the next few weeks. And no, I don't expect to actually grow a pumpkin in the next four weeks. In fact, it may not be a pumpkin at all. So if you're worried about how it's an illustration, say me, say me, you're like, it, all you, I love this town because it's full of engineers. It's an illustration. <laughs> Got it? Okay. So let's say we have some seeds. 
right? And they're scattered out along the path. That's the equivalent of me throwing them on the stage. Gross! Does, does anybody expect those to grow? Liar. <laughs> they're not going to grow. And we know that intuitively. Now, these seeds represent the people who are like, not going to do it, not going to follow God, don't care. Now, here's the good news, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today. Because if you're here today, it means you're at least curious. Or your mom dragged you. Or dad dragged you. Or your aunt Gertrude grabbed you. Grabbed. I don't know why aunt's name is always Gertrude in my mind, but that's the way it goes. Okay. So the seed sown in the path represents the one who rejects the truth from the beginning. And that's actually pretty rare and is probably very, very, very few of you, if any of you in this room. Okay? Now... The next seed is not grown in something like this. It's grown on the rocky ground. And I think, I, I'm a city boy, so I have to use city boy illustrations for the farmer illustrations, okay? So when I think of the seed that was grown under the rocky ground, I think of my house in Lexington, Kentucky. And we had one of those beautiful driveways with lots of cracks in it. And every spring I would go out there and there'd be weeds growing in the cracks on the driveway. And it was infuriating. Because the seed was not supposed to grow there. That's like the rocky ground, right? The, the seed, how do you do it? Sometimes seed will grow up in the rocky ground. But here's what I found. Even though that was super annoying, you know what was really easy? To pull those weeds out of that ground. Why? Because it never had good roots. Because it was never going to have good roots planted in the middle of a driveway. So this is representative of the seed that grows on the rocky ground. And is representative of those who want the salvation, but not transformation, not discipleship. I want to look good. Now this is very representative of people who see the transformation of God in other people's lives. Maybe it's the faith that belongs to your parents, or Aunt Gertrude again. Maybe it's the, the faith of a Sunday school teacher, or of a friend, or of a coach. Or, but you've seen this, and you sit there and you go... I want that, but you don't actually go through the process of allowing the transformation of God. You know what you want, but you're not willing to do the work to allow God to nurture and grow something in your life that will actually be meaningful and transform. You see what I'm saying? In other words, I want to live with God for eternity. Who doesn't want that? If you believe it's an eternity, I think most of us would say, I want to live with God, right? In heaven. But if you don't really have a relationship with God, a relationship means you change. In other words, I've never had to tell a couple, hey guys, you're engaged? You probably ought to tell someone. <laughs> right? Hey, you're in this relationship? Um, well, eventually you probably, you know, you know, you go, I'm engaged! And if you're a bride, you go, I've changed my name! If you're, you know, this is, a, I'm a new person, and this is, we're now, I'm now one with God. That's the key here. So the seed on the rocky ground is represented those who want discipleship, uh, salvation, but not discipleship. Now the seed grown among the sword, thorns, uh, thorns, we'll say half this bucket is very, very, it's not, by the way, it's all decent potting soil, but let's say half of this bucket is filled with really good potting soil, and the other half is filled with really good potting soil and a bunch of dandelions. What other kind of weeds do you have up here? I don't really know. Alfalfa? I don't know. But not pumpkin seeds, right? 
And so you sit there and you go, I really only want to grow pumpkin seeds in here, but there's a bunch of other stuff in there. This is what it's like to grow up in the world where there's going to be other pressures. The seeds was sown among the thorns is representative of the one who never truly dies to self and lives for God. You don't really go through the work of getting rid of the bad stuff of your life. You want the good, but don't get rid of the bad. So this is the idea of, I'm going to be in church, but I'm also going to let that TV show influence me that I probably shouldn't be watching. I want, I want to be close to God, but I'm going to date and possibly even marry someone who definitely will not point me to Jesus. I want to be close to God, but you know I'm going to hold on to that gossip because it's kind of fun and it helps me bond with the guys or the girls. I, I want the beauty of what Jesus has to offer, but there's other things I want to. You have to be willing to die to those things because the pressures of this world will choke out your, the beauty of what God wants to do. So here's the danger. I think that could be a lot more of us than we realize. Because the seed sown in the good soil, it represents the one who becomes a true disciple of Jesus, and it always produces more seed. Some 30, some 60, some 120 fold. So the fruits of this are peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, but it also represents I'm helping other people see the goodness and the nature of God. It's transformation. This is how you know it's going well. So if you're always angry, if you're constantly bitter, and hear me, we all have those seasons, right? We all have the winter season. But if you never have a springtime, come on, spring, I'm ready for you. And then the summer and the fall, right? It, then that's probably a real issue that you've never allowed the process of God to really take hold of your life. So let me give you this caution. There will be many who believe they are genuine followers of God, but they never truly follow Him. In other words, there's never anything above the surface that's real. It's all fake. So how do we work the soil of our heart to allow the process to transform us? That's where we're going. Today we're talking about what's underneath the surface. And the way that we measure that around here is we allow God to transform us through the discipleship pathway. And this is important. Because transformation needs to take hold of you if you're really a follower of God. Let me put it to you in terms that maybe you can see the way I've navigated this. When we plan these series, sometimes they really speak to me, and sometimes they speak to me. You know what I'm saying? This last series, the one that we went through Proverbs, really got to me. And the idea of sitting there going, okay, am I speaking wise or unwise words? Am I really chasing after the righteous path? Am I continuing to learn? Am I really still desiring transfer? Have I stopped growing? Have I stopped working on the soil of my heart? Or do I want to be transformed? Do I want to God continue? If you really want that, and that's the hope of every series, is it's not just a January series or a February series, and then we leave that back here, but rather we allow that to nurture the rootedness of what God is doing in our life. And even though we may not be talking about it, we may not even see it for a season, it's going to flourish. And then in the harvest, there's going to be something there because God took root 
in the message of his word. You get it? So are you allowing that transformation in your heart? So what does that look like? Well, the saying around here a lot of times is we say God grows the crop, but the farmer works the land. God grows the crop, right? Grow seed! It's not going to grow. But the farmer works the land. So what does it take to work the land? Okay, farmers, don't be the engineers and critique me on all this. There's, I know there's more to this, okay? But an oversimplification of what it takes to, uh, till, to work the land, okay? The first thing you got to do is you got to break up the soil or till the soil, right? And when you're doing that, what you're doing is you're trying to, to get out any clumps. You're trying to make sure that there's good soil. You're trying to work in the fertilizer. You're, you're trying to prepare that land. So the idea of tilling the soil, and then you've got to plant the seed. Tilling the soil allows it to be broken up. It's a, it's a posture thing. I'm willing to allow God to do something. And then the seed begins planted in your soul. And when that seed begins to take place, then that allows to begin, that begins to flourish, and it, then it takes root. But you've got to give it time to grow. And the way that we practice that around here, because there's a lot of ways to work the land. You can use a till, you can use a trowel, you can use a spoon. It might take a lot longer, but you could do it. But the method and the tool that we use around here for that is called the discipleship pathway. So the discipleship pathway is a structure or a tool that helps us to learn how to work the soil of our hearts. In turn, we allow God to move in us and in others. So what does the discipleship pathway include? It includes community, learning, and training. But I want to give us a caution before we go any farther. The discipleship pathway is not meant to be a formula, 2 plus 2 equals 4, but a structure or a posture. It's the way to make sure that we're, it's the tool we're using, but if your attitude's bad, it won't matter. If you really don't want to find God, it won't matter. If you're going to give in to the temptations of the world, it won't matter. But when you allow these elements to work the soil of your heart, God will use these elements to work the, the soil of your land so that he can grow up something amazing in you. And we see this, the discipleship pathway, the community learning and training found in Acts 2, 40, uh, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to the prayer. Right there, we see it all. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were learning. To the fellowship, the community. To the breaking of bread, and to the prayer. Those are some of the spiritual disciplines. They were training themselves to practice what they learned. What is the result? Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day, not just once a week on Sunday, not just every Christmas or Easter, or not just when we don't have something else to do. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They kept practicing the training, the learning, and they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Their posture was good because they allowed the soil to be turned over in their hearts. Praising God and enjoying favor of all the people, every day the Lord, what? Added to their number the good seed and good soil produced. Healthy things grow, y'all. Healthy things grow. 
And so if we're growing, we got to do that. So let's talk real quickly about what that looks like. How do we practice community? Community is centered around our need for one another. Our need for one another. So when we think about community, it's the reality that if you're paying attention online, we're glad you do. You were never supposed to do online church forever. Why? Because we need each other. And let me explain this through another illustration that you find through trees. I actually, this is actually, I think, a tree, and I, I love the beauty of that, because when you plant a tree, do you realize that sometimes trees bond together under the ground? Here's a quote I found um, this last week. Trees share vital nutrients, minerals, sugars, and waters. Did you hear that? Trees share vital nutrients, minerals, sugars, and waters via an underground root exchange. One method is by means of fungal hyphae. If I didn't say that wrong, someone can tell me later, and I'm sure you will. Long, thin strands of this fungus go around and between the tree roots. Some have even been known to stretch for miles. The fungus will drill into the roots of trees and become a means by which substances can be exchanged between trees. What is unhealthy to one tree becomes healthy to another, or it will share what is healthy and will make each other strong. Now, can you see that above the ground? No, it's underneath the ground. Another way they do it is through um, where you come together through grafting, when trees join together under the ground in their roots. And so there are trees, there are some trees that don't have as deep of roots or they're younger. And so they end up joining together or grafting together with another tree that is stronger. And when a storm comes, if that tree hadn't done that, it would have been blown over. But when the storm came, it actually gave it the ground at work it needed to stay together, to stay united, so that whatever happened, it could stay, stay straight up. How cool is that? That's how the church should operate. Hey, you're going through a difficult day. A storm's coming. Who can I call? It's two in the morning. Hey, how can I challenge you? How can I help you grow? How can We need to graft our lives together. It's not just a bunch of pockets of families coming together and sitting in a chair worshiping the same God. No, we are bonded together by what God has done, and so we are grafted together in the community of God. And so if you have a need, or if you have a struggle, or if you have a joy or a celebration, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. Caution. The same method that those trees share good nutrients, they also share bad ones. So if a church is not healthy, if a pocket of people aren't healthy, then they begin to share that gossip, the jealousy, the anger, the, the stuff that isn't the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Which is peace, patience, love. We've been over this, right? So community is how we grow together and keep the center. Now, what are the four keys to community? I got this from Ed Stetzer and a few others, but here's the four keys to community. I want to start with authenticity and vulnerability. In order to be in a good community, you've got to be authentic. You're the same above the ground as you are underneath. You're not a chameleon. That's how you know. And the way that we begin to practice that is through um, vulnerability. Vulnerability, by definition, is putting your head out on a chopping block. I'm going to give you something that you can use against me. Thanks, no thanks, that's no fun. But as you think about that, what authenticity and vulnerability is, is it's allowing the soil of your heart to be turned over. It's allowing your posture to change. It's helping you not to be a narcissist. It's helping you not to feel like you have the, your God's gift to the earth. It's helping you not to go, me, world. 
No, it's God. I want to learn. And when we begin to speak that into our life, then what ends up happening is we create the ground to be broken up so depth can happen. And the, and the depth is key for the rootedness to grow. That's where we begin to learn how to grow together, how to trust each other. And from there, transformation happens, and that's when we start growing up towards God. We're not just growing out anymore. We're growing up to allow it to break through the soil of our hearts, to penetrate into the open air, to change the world around us. This is what a healthy community looks like, and it's how we practice it. So we want you to be involved in a community. Now, let me give you a caution. Sometimes we want community, but we don't want community. I go to Sunday church, nobody talks. You have to talk to people, right? No one there at that church ever talked to me. Did you talk to anybody? Because the person next to you might be thinking the same thing, or they might be a guest too, strangely enough, Right? Or as you think about that, another example of this is sometimes what people come to church because they want their kids to receive God. Can I give you a little bit of caution? Your kids will never love being involved in student community. Never is too harsh a word. Seldom will the time your, your students will love to be involved in student community if the parents aren't involved in a godly community as well. They won't see the need because you're not modeling it. You want your kids to be transformed? You be transformed by being involved in a community. As we talk through that and begin to look that, then what happens is in our communities, we, we learn. And learning is centered around God's revelation of himself to us. That sounds very preacherish. God's revelation. Ooh, what does that mean? It's how God reveals himself. So how does God reveal himself to us? Well, congratulations, we're doing it now through sermons. Hopefully you're hearing the word of God. And the sermons is, this is how God is trying to speak to you through daily Bible reading, through small group discussions with others, through student community, kids ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, etc. Learning is when we learn what God has to say to us. But learning doesn't necessarily by itself do much. We have to then apply it to our lives, and that's where the training comes. And as Drew always likes to say, training is when it moves from the head to the heart. Training our practical training is centered around the applying what we've learned into our lives. Training is centered around the applying what we've learned to our lives. And the practical ways that we practice training in our community is by saying, okay, how do we do this? So we do it through spiritual retreats. We have a spiritual retreat called Silence and Solitude. It's learning how to get alone with God so that you might grow and do that on your own. We have other retreats that you can go to with that. We have summer camps for students. We have winter camp for students. We have milestones for third grade, sixth grade, ninth grade, twelfth grade. Shout out if you have the kid those age, you should sign them up for those retreats. They're coming up quick. Look for it in information. If you need to know more, ask us. We'd love to tell you about those. It's the method by which we train. We have mission trips to where you go and serve and you get excited about what God is doing. We have ways to serve in our community through first impression, kids ministry, hello, kids ministry, hello, kids ministry, through student community, through college ministry, through whatever. We have widows and orphans through hearty meals. We have ways that you can practice and put the hands and the feet to what you're learning into your life. Through the study of the disciplines, fasting, prayer, reading your word, the training so that we might be rooted and grow. And all of this takes place under here. And all of this takes time. People get frustrated with the church 
because we live in a quick fix society and what people really want is for me to pull this out plan it and go look how beautiful i am that's not how this happens if you want to see the beauty of what god's going to do in your life you have to let the process work and it begins by tilling the soil of your heart and giving your life to Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, we'd love to talk to you more about what it looks like, how Jesus died on the cross for you, how he's given us this gift of his son through Jesus Christ. We'd love to do that. We'll have more people up front who talk to you more about that. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you should want to be in that relationship. So you have to guard your heart from growing cold and turn over the till of the soil of your heart to allow the process to begin to work. So what's one way we're going to do that? Here's our daily training this week. Hear it in the title, daily training. If only that was a part of the, oh, it is a part of the discipleship pathway. Okay, here it is. I want you to pray this prayer. What is the soil of my heart that I need to till today? What if you ask that every day this week? God, what is the soil of my heart that I need to till today? What is the clumpiness? What do I need to confess? What needs fertilizing? God's word. What do I need to do? Do I need to change my posture? Do I need to, God, how do I become a better friend, a colleague, a peer, a student, a mom, an uncle, a best friend? God, what do I need to do to allow you to take root of my life and then, can I just say this, church, give it time but let's not give up the process because you're going to see as the process takes fruition as we're going to talk more about this next week and the week after and the week after you'll begin to see the fruit come up but today it's all about what's underneath so today we're about to sing a song here i am we're going to say those words here i am can i just encourage you this i I want to challenge you. If you're just like going to have a bad attitude about this, don't do it. But as you're singing, if you can, even, even if it's by your side, can we just open your hands? Here I am, God. If, can you, if you can't do your hands, can you at least open the hands of your heart? Because there's something about the beauty of worship, which is our response to God for what is expressed and by what we're saying and doing, that if we sing his songs, but we don't really mean it, I'd rather you just sit there in silence. But if you're willing, willing to give your heart to God and this moment to God and say, I'm available, if you just want to let, don't do it in show. Close your eyes so no one can see you're doing it. Well, they can still see you, but you can't see them. <laughs> Maybe it's just that. But express to God, here I am. And let him take the root of your soul. So God, This moment belongs to you. This moment, we ask that you begin to turn over our posture, our bitterness, that you pull out the weeds of discontentment, animosity, judgment. God, that you would break us open to how good you are. God, that we would 
take the time we need necessary to, what it, to learn what it looks like to follow you, to trust you, and to give you our lives. We pray these things in your holy name we pray. Amen.